is President Trump's first deputy national security advisor. She helped set standards in the White House. In the Pentagon, she was the equivalent to a four-star general. And now, it's time to set the record straight. It's The Briefing with KT McFarland, exclusively on Kevin McCullough Radio. Okay, you heard my monologue um, on the January 6th stuff. We're going we're gonna to come back to that with uh, Joe Schweppe uh, in a little bit uh, from the um, American Principles Project, because John Schweppe, because uh, there's much more to be said about that. And I'll cover some of this in my um, final thought at the end of the show. Chuck Schumer has come out begging Rupert Murdoch not to let Tucker Carlson go on the air tonight with a follow-up segment. Now, what what is so frightening that that the Senate leader needs to beg a titan of industry to run his company a certain way? And we've got we've to think about that. But we're going to move on to some other stuff. This last weekend was CPAC, and the former president came, and by the judge of uh, the straw poll and some other indicators appeared to, uh, appeared to do quite well. But last week, KT McFarlane was telling us that she was going to be there as well, and she rejoins us. Uh, KT, it's been a while since uh, – it's been at least a couple of years since I was at CPAC. Um, what was the atmosphere like with it returning to the Beltway and kind of being back in the in the you know the the breadbasket of of government and so forth. What was the feeling at CPAC? Uh, what was it? What was the energy like? Well, it was very definitely Ronald Reagan's. I mean, not Ronald Reagan is is the theme through, that runs throughout CPAC, and he was the guy that really made CPAC great forty years ago. But very definitely, this CPAC was Donald Trump's CPAC. He did very well in the straw poll. He spoke very uh, movingly and very with, with enormous respect and support from the audience. But the but CPAC itself, you know, I think that, and I'm on the board and have been for a decade or so, I think we, you know, there's a lot that's happened in the last three years. So the last time CPAC was in Washington, D.C. was just as COVID was breaking out. And for the last two years, we couldn't guarantee that it could be held in Washington, D.C. because the governors were shutting things down and so we ended up having it in the free state of Florida to enormous success and a different kind of audience, um, people who aren't apologetic about being conservatives. So it was there was a little bit of a different feel of, oh, well, we're back in Washington again, but what is the conservative movement? What does it consist of? Donald Trump clearly is the voice of the movement. But there was a lot of there, most of the presidential candidates or people who we think are going to be presidential candidates were there in one form or another. But. There was a lot of discussion, an international discussion. And one of the things that was so stunning to me was, you know, 10 years ago, CPAC was all about American politics. But in the last several years, other countries, conservative movements in other countries have come to us and said, hey, look, can, can, can you help us? We want to have a conservative conference as well. And so there were representatives um, from Italy, Hungary, Brazil, Mexico, Japan, Korea, uh, various, various European countries, Israel, and they all have gone, they've all been in charge of conservative movements in their own countries. And what we could see is not only has it happened in the United States, you know, this sort of anti-woke pendulum has swung backwards, but they were starting to see it in European countries as well. Well, and how significant is that? I mean, when you think about the discussion of the Biden family, for example, and how connected they are to all these uh, government uh, fixtures kind of around the world, and usually mostly our enemies, uh, Russia, Ukraine, China, 
Um, I don't know if they have connections to North Korea, but there's certainly been a lot of speculation about, um, you know, government officials cozying up to other governments. I'm sure that there are citizens in those countries that don't want anything to do with corruption and would like to see uh, more of an American independence uh, available in their own electorate. Yeah, I mean, they're, these kind of, all countries all around the world are looking for American leadership. And whether you are Republican or Democrat or love Donald Trump or hate Donald Trump or love Joe Biden or hate Joe Biden, there's a, there's a widespread perception that the United States is a nation in decline. The Chinese are certainly promoting that opinion. And there was a lot of discussion about China um, at CPAC. What is China's goal? You know, this is before China announced that it's going to vastly increase its military budget. But there's the clear and present danger of China and the clear and present conclusion that the Biden administration is either compromised and therefore doing nothing about it or just doesn't see it as a problem. And while they may make good speeches, they're not taking any of the actions we need to take to counter what the conservatives certainly see as a significant and rising threat, one that is not just going to be bad for America, but could be have an existential effect on Americans' peace and prosperity for the generations ahead. Well, uh, given all of that, you had a chance to take the podium. What was your message to those in attendance? My message was that we had enemies from within and from without. So I talked about, at, pre- at a previous time when I spoke at CPAC earlier in the week, I talked about the threat from China and the threat from Russia and the threat that the United States gets distracted from what's really important um, as China being the one country that can, in fact, challenge our very existence mm-hmm. and challenge our position in the world. But I also said we've got another problem, and that's the, that's Washington, D.C., that it's not really Republicans versus Democrats anymore. It's we the people, the common man, the average voter, versus a, a, a Washington permanent establishment whose attitude is, ah, presidents come, presidents go, we're here forever, we can't be fired and we think that we're far smarter than the American people, and therefore we're going to be the ones that set this. And whether it's Anthony Fauci, whether it's the FBI, whether it's the Justice Department, whether it's the Transportation Department, we have a real problem with Washington right now. Uh, to that end, President Trump's speech, uh, he went on a fairly uh, specific list of things that he said he would be for the American people. But when it came to uh, corruption, he promised he would be their retribution. And when it came to uh, injustice, he promised to set the, the scale straight. And when it came to uh, being a voiceless uh, public, he promised to bring their voice back to uh, the nation's capital. Did he, did he connect the dots enough to uh, get, the, get the idea across? Yeah, Donald Trump, the one thing Donald Trump is, when you... Put away the policies for a minute. Donald Trump is a champion and a warrior for the average American, for the forgotten American, mm-hmm. for the person who doesn't have power in, in the corridors of power of Washington, D.C., who doesn't have lobbyists on the payroll. And that Trump got his message across loud and clear, saying that is who I have been. That is who I am. That is who I will be. So if you're looking for a warrior to go against the moneyed and interests and the entrenched interests of the swamp in Washington, D.C., I'm your man. And it was very effective and very powerful. Uh, you read anything into the fact that Ron DeSantis didn't come? Um, not particularly. It's He's got a big book, um, that, and he was on a national book tour. He's also at the Florida State Legislature. just convened today. 
And so I'm not reading a whole lot into it. To me, it was much more of a let's get back to where Washington, D.C. Let's figure out who CPAC is again. It's Donald Trump's CPAC. He certainly was the last sort of major um, mover of CPAC in the last decade. So I'm not reading a whole lot into it. I have a, I'm, I'm certain that next year at this time, all of the people running for president will all clamor to be at CPAC because that's where the voters are. Yeah. Well, and it's certainly where the soldiers are. These are the people that will go back and walk the neighborhoods and rally their neighbors and do what they can do to try to turn out the vote. A very interesting report, KT, and I look forward to returning to CPAC soon. I hope full maybe well, can even I next just, year. Can I, in front of your entire audience, can I just invite you next year? I uh, really want to make sure that Kevin McCullough is at CPAC next done. year, one way or another. All okay, right, done. done. It's a date. <laughs> Thank you. No, not promising any fried turkey, though. Kevin McCullough coming right back.